Support for Project Panthers is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped Performance Package, the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. You can join over 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with the exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code Project Panthers at Manscaped.com. Manscaped was nice enough to send me the Performance Package 4.0, which includes the Lawnmower 4.0, the Weed Whacker, Crop Preserver, Crop Reviver, and the Magic Mat, including free gifts of the Shed, which is a nice little travel bag, and Manscaped Boxers. And honestly, this is a great product. This is a great bundle. If you've ever had questions about the Manscaped products and and aren't sure if you want to dive into it, I highly, highly recommend it. It's one of those things that can be an afterthought as a man, you know, taking care of yourself down there. But having something like this, it motivates you to keep yourself trim. It motivates you to keep yourself, um, you know, at your best. And having something like this, you know, the lawnmower is, is such a great electric trimmer. All of the uh, the deodorants and the toners that they give you really make you feel like you're taking care of yourself. And honestly, as a man, self care is important, right? You can't just you can't just be left to women. We got to take care of ourselves, man, right? It's important. It's a confidence thing. And this this performance package 4.0 or any other performance packages you decide, it will boost your confidence. I promise you, it's gonna make you feel better about yourself. And feeling better about yourself is always a good thing, right? So make sure to uh, you get twenty percent off offer code using Project Panthers at Manscaped.com. That comes with free shipping. That's right. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. If you use my offer code project Panthers, that's P R O J E C T P A N T H E R S. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with manscaped. Welcome to Project Panthers, a weekly podcast discussing your Florida Panthers. Now, here's your host, Brunswick. What a week, what a week, what a week. I am your host, Brunswick. The show is Project Panthers. And oh, baby, what a week it has been in Panthers territory. If you're hearing the sound of my voice, that means you found me on YouTube. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other major podcast platform out there on the World Wide Web by searching Project Panthers. Remember remember to follow us on all socials as well by searching Project Panthers. Keep that Twitter chatter coming. I love hearing from you guys. You know, lots of varied opinions out there. Whether you like me, whether you hate me, whether you love me, whether you loathe me, I love the interactions. Please keep them coming. Can't get enough. The Florida Panthers currently sit at a very very disappointing record of 13 12 and 4 that's good enough for fifth in the atlantic division and currently sitting three points out of a playoff spot uh i've i've seen the displeasures voiced on twitter from all you listeners and panthers fans and honestly i am i am right there with you after our historic season last year you know the panthers winning the president's trophy finally getting out of the first round and for the first time in 26 years all this talk about, you know, learning playoff hockey. And this team may not even make it to the playoffs to begin with. I'm going to change the format a bit for this episode. I'm not going to be going game by game because I really just don't see the point. This team is so insanely inconsistent right now that there aren't even things to build off from a game to game basis. 
They also haven't been able to string three wins together all season. You get convincing 5-1 victories against Detroit, Seattle, and Vancouver last week and earlier this week. And then they lay eggs on the weekend against Tampa and that same Seattle team at home. Bob, I mean, Bobrovsky kind of seems done. The roster does not have any depth, a strength that was, you know, a focal point for the team's success last season. And things kind of seem pretty doom and gloom considering Maurice hasn't had the impact that some of us expected and hoped. So I don't really have the desire to talk about game-to-game highlights. So I hope you'll still still stick with me for this episode because I do, however, I wanted to discuss all the concerns and some positives that I do have with this team. There aren't a lot of positives. I'm not going to lie. This is mostly going to be negative stuff. But, you know, sometimes misery loves company. So join me on this wonderful uh, trip as we go through this Panthers team and talk about all the shit that's pissing us off with them because, man, it's a lot, folks. It's a lot. Let's start right with the uh, most obvious spot, I guess, right in the back of the net, goaltending. You know, the aforementioned Sergei Bobrovsky, he's having his worst season as a Panther one of the worst seasons of his career, and that is saying something, considering how bad he's been with the Panthers over the years. His record right now sits at 5-8-1. He's got an 8-84 save percentage. A goals against average of 3.58. Just not going to cut it. He looked good to start the season. I will say, he in that Islanders game, you know, he was he kind of won that game for them to start the year. He was challenging players. Cutting off the angles, he looked confident, but that Bob is gone, unfortunately. And he has regressed into his old habits of struggling to make a save, inconsistency with rebounds, and just overall performance. He's bottom five in the league in both save percentage and goals against average among starting goaltenders. What more is there to say, you know? I tried not to blame Bob for too much over the course of his career with the Panthers. It's really hard to live up to that $10 million contract, and it does seem that he's put a lot of pressure on himself to live up to that contract, which is unfortunate. But there's a human element to this game that we all have to consider, and it seems as though Bobrovsky's human element has gotten the better of him. I I don't know what else to say about him. I think his contract has to go this offseason. It has to. You know, Spencer Knight is now the team's number one. Yes, he's still shaky at times, but he's just so much better than Bob. It's not even close. He's got an 8-4-3 record, 9-19 save percentage, 264 GAA. He's given up almost less than one goal a game than Bob is. And it's noticeable. It's very noticeable with Knight and Ned. The team has a much higher success rate of winning it's it's obvious he keeps the team in most of the games again he has his dud outings had that bad game against Winnipeg recently but overall he's been stellar and it's a shame he went down with a cold before this weekend's back-to-back games because they were important trying to build off that Detroit game but they just couldn't get it done and I just don't see how after this season you keep Bob and Spencer Knight 
that's $14 million tied up in, that's more than $14 million tied up in goaltending, which wouldn't be so bad if $10 million of it wasn't basically being thrown into the dumpster. I think Zito's going to entertain every possibility he can this offseason to trade Bobrovsky. I really think he's going to do everything he can. And if it comes out that they're going to buy out Bobrovsky and take that $6 million cap hit for the next few years, then just know that he tried his darndest to move him and there was not any takers. And if you're asking me, I don't see how there are any takers for a $10 million backup goalie. Because even if they buy out Bob and it costs them six and change million and you sign a backup for Spencer Knight for even $2 million, that's $8.7 million. You're still a net positive in terms of what you would have spent on Bob and you'll get probably similar numbers, maybe even better numbers than Bobrovsky's as a, for a backup goalie, whoever it is you end up signing. It just seems to make too much sense on paper. And Bob was turning it around last year, but with his performance this year, it does seem that he is maybe even out of on his way out of the league, not just the Panthers. I don't know. Some of the blame can be put on goaltenders for sure. You know, but some of that blame has to go to the defense for this 13, 12, and 4 record. The Panthers are 24th in the league in goals against. They are even 0 0, 97 goals for, 97 goals against, but they are 24th in the league in goals against. That's, again, not very good, especially when Maurice was brought in to play a more defensive style game. Well, they're scoring a little less, so sure. But they're not exactly defending the goals. So, tough to quantify what impact Maurice has on that aspect of the Panthers game up to right now. But in terms of that defense, Aaron Eckblad, I, I got to start with number one man. And right now, he seems like a shadow of his former self. Eckblad was never an amazing defender. I'm not going to lie. He's, he's never been a... Scott Stevens or anything like that. But he's taken a big step back this year. Seems to be playing a bit more timid, a little more cautious, prone to making a few more mistakes than usual. I don't know if this is his knee injuries and him either having issues with those knees or if those issues have created some fear in him. That's pure speculation on my part. I have nothing to back that up. Um, just from years of watching sports and knowing how athletes react to injuries, maybe this is what's happened to Aaron Eckblad in this situation. I don't know. What I do know is that he's a team worst minus 11. And he was minus 7 this weekend against Seattle and Tampa Bay. He's only been a minus player once in his entire career, and that was back in 2016, 2017, and that was the Tom Rowe year. So anything that happened that year, I just don't count, really, because that was a black hole of disaster and misery. But honestly, he's kind of getting to the point where he almost feels borderline unplayable in front of his own net. I don't want to say useless because that's a pretty harsh word. But, you know, he's often knocking players into the goaltender. We saw it with the Burakovsky goal in the Seattle game. Or he takes a penalty because he can't seem to handle the commotion in front. doesn't seem to be as strong as he needs to be on his feet to push a guy out of the way. 
And he's also not contributing offensively. Zero goals, four assists in his last eight games. A minus nine in that span while averaging 25, north of 25 minutes a night. It's not encouraging. The Panthers are 5-7-3 and three with him in the lineup since he's returned from his injury. Also, not an encouraging number. That's five wins, ten losses. Yikes. Brandon Montour, you know, he's been a much more impressive throughout the whole season, but, you know, he's got better offensive numbers and is more consistent defensively all season long than I would say Ekblad has been. I don't know if I can just throw him out there and say give him top line minutes all the time, but, you know, I think he's been a great surprise for the Panthers, and if Montoro has not been playing to the level he has all season, I I really dread to think about where the Panthers would be at. Gustav Forsling also, he's played well all season to, despite some mistakes in his own zone. I, you know, he's a bit prone to that, but he's a pretty steady presence back there, all things considered. And I think he's really secured his role as the team's number three guy. 18 points in 29 games this season. He's easily uh, on his way to a new career high at this pace. Easily. And Mark Stahl has been, well, he's not been great. He's been okay. You know, I've been a bit harsh on the Stahls, Stahl brothers on Twitter. Um, sometimes I think I feel like that's justified. Sometimes maybe not. I, like many others, will sometimes look for an easy punching bag, and the Stahl brothers are that. But I don't think Mark Stahl is necessarily this team's problem, or Eric Stahl. I mean, they're not. The problem is way bigger than those guys. Um, you know, he's he's goalless to start his career with the Panthers. Um, you know, I, I see Mark Stahl getting beaten pretty badly in foot races and on fast breaks, into the other zone, into the into the Panthers zone, sorry. It seems to be anyone with decent to above average foot speed on the ice can get around Mark Stahl with ease. We've got a couple of guys like him in our beer league that I... <laughs> Not a lot of defenders I can get around in our beer league, but when there's a guy like that, oh, I'm chomping at the bits. So I know that teams on the opposition are also chomping at the bits when Mark Stahl's on the ice. I still think he's solid enough in his own zone, though, especially in front of the net. He's a big guy, and he's tough to play against, especially in areas like that where you're jostling for space. And he uses that size well. I think he could honestly teach Aaron Ekblad a few things because Ekblad's not a small guy either, but he doesn't really play like a big dude. And I, I don't think that Mark Stahl has been the utter disaster that everyone makes him out to be. I just think he's a bit in over his head playing 18 minutes a night like he is right now. I think he's a solid, he would have been a solid bottom pairing guy playing 12 to 14 minutes a night against the team's less competitive, less competent offensive players. But, you know, with the with the way the roster construction is right now, it results in him playing in situations where he's in over his head more often than not. And that sucks because I do still think he's a serviceable NHLer, but in a certain role. And he's an easy scapegoat because he's slow. And anyone watching the game, even for brief periods of time, can tell, oh, wow, this guy stinks. But in reality, defensively, I, other than the, you know, two-on-ones and the, and the fast breaks where his foot speed just doesn't, you know, just doesn't give him what he needs to, to get the job done, I don't think that he's been 
I personally, this may sound crazy, but I personally don't know how you can say that he's been a lot worse than Aaron Eckblad in his own zone. I don't think you can honestly say that. I do think Aaron Eckblad has been just that disappointing defensively this season. Radko Gudis and Josh Mahura, they've been steady. Mahura, you know, he's been a great addition from the waiver wire. If they didn't have him, probably Lucas Carlson would be getting more ice time. Maybe, no, let's not be ridiculous. Matt Kirsten would be getting a lot more ice time. Again, who's looked decent in his in his time, but I don't know if he could match the minutes that Mahura's been giving us. So that's a nice little pickup for, for Zito on the waiver wire. Pleasant surprise. You can't rely on him for too much more than about 14 minutes a game. I think he he and Stahl would honestly be a ideal bottom pairing for most nights on this team. They complement each other well, and they're both capable of playing those minutes successfully. But with the roster, they're not doing that. Overall, the defense is doing a pretty decent enough job considering the personnel. Again, 24th in the league in goals against not great, but... Considering the way the goaltending and Bob specifically has been performing, I don't know how much of that is on them squarely. Zito, he hasn't exactly padded this group with a lot of any real support. There's no depth. There's no... It's tough. Like, they're two major injuries away from being in absolute shambles. Uh, I, I don't think they're the main problem, but like goaltending, I don't see the solution being found in the defensive court either. The roster is kind of stuck the way it is, and whether you like him or not, whether you liked him or not, the team is missing Mackenzie Weger's minutes this season. He ate a lot of time, and Ekblad seems to be feeling it more than anyone. He seems to be feeling his loss specifically more than anyone, and he seems to have really relied on the defensive play of Mackenzie Weger more than we thought, more than we ever thought, because... Ekblad is just not that good right now. He's just not that good right now. Speaking of Mackenzie Weger and that trade with the Flames, Matthew Kachuk, Matthew, Mateusz, Maddie, Matthew Kachuk, Chucky Cheezer, Chucking Cheese and Cheese and Chucking, uh, Matthew Kachuk, Maddie Kachuk. Sorry, I don't know what that was. Matthew Kachuk, though, he has been dynamite offensively. Literally carrying this team himself on some nights. Like, it's no one does anything, and then Matthew Kachuk has three points. That's been the theme a few times this season for sure. He's got 37 points in 27 games on pace for another incredible season. No drop-off without Goudreau at all. He doesn't even need Barkov because Barkov has not been around while Kachuk has been running this team. So, uh, it's all it's all Kachuk. It's all Matty Kachuk and being four feet in front of the net and just tipping pucks home. His handles are insane. That goal he scored uh, on the two-on-one this week was just filthy, filthy, filthy. However, ha- however, he along with Sam Bennett and Brad Kulgudis, mm, this is not a fun stat, folks. They make up three of the top five penalty takers in the entire NHL. And although the Cats, PK has improved to 18th in the league at this point, much better than the bottom feeder that they were at the start of the year, it still isn't a good sign when three of your pretty important core players are taking that many minor penalties. Seems like Bennett and Kachuk specifically are prone to stick infractions, something they both desperately need to work on because it is out of control how many times these guys take lazy, silly penalties. 
Just put your stick down and you won't get called. A parallel stick to the ice is almost always a penalty. That is a rule in this day's NHL. But Bennett has also had a great season offensively. He's got 22 points in 29 games. He and Verhage have really been picking up the secondary scoring for this team. Something that there really is not much beyond the both of them. Verhage's got 15 goals to start the year. Been a total blessing. He's been clutch. He'll easily hit 35 goals this season if he keeps up this pace. Alexander Barkov, you know, his mystery illness from a few weeks ago turned out to be pneumonia. Kept him out of seven games this season. He still doesn't look 100% on the ice. And he's nowhere near that threat offensively this year as he has been in the past. I don't know if he's just missing Huberdo. He's only got five goals and 14 assists in his first 22 games. Last year at the 22-game mark, Barkov had 14 goals and 25 points already. So the numbers are incomparable when it comes to goal scoring. He's just not a factor right now with the team. I don't know if it's the Huberto effect. Is it the new dad effect? I know he had a baby over the summer, so maybe he's not getting any rest. I mean, I, I can definitely relate to that feeling. But again, that's just pure speculation on my part. I have nothing really to back that up. So I, I don't know. But Barkov needs to step it up and start performing the way he can, whether it's illness-related or what. But once he gets up to 100%, this team needs him. They can't lose their first one for number one center. And this team is supposed to be building with Barkov in the future, and this is not a good sign. But Barkov has these little lulls in his game, and if he is still recovering from pneumonia, there could be a, a, a slower recovery rate there for him, and maybe he's still feeling it, and we'll see as... As he progresses, but I will say last night in the empty netter against Seattle, his lazy ass back check on that Seattle empty net goal was pretty gross to see. Not gonna lie. Barkov is supposed to be the he is the leader. He's supposed to be the defensive example for our forwards, and it's not a good example to show. I didn't like that at all. Haven't seen a lot of that from Barkov in his career, so. It's a little concerning, if you ask me. A little bit. Atulostrainen, he's been a pretty welcome surprise to this team's offense, contributing a little bit to that secondary offense that they're lacking so much. I mentioned on the show at the start of the season that I was really hoping for him to take the next step, and he has. He's got seven goals, 15 points in 29 games. A 40-point year from him would be a really great step in the right direction. But speaking of taking steps in directions, Anton Lundell has taken a step back. The dreaded sophomore slump seems to have hit him a little bit harder than expected. He's only got four goals this year, but thankfully three of those have come in the last five games. So trending in the right direction, and hopefully he's turning the corner offensively. He's still playing great defensively. Maurice has kept him on the PK throughout the season. I think the offense will come. I'm really not worried. Some of Zito's death signings have been hit or miss. Uh, Eric Stahl has been a big point of discussion for many Panthers fans, and I think... He, along with Mark Stahl, are easy scapegoats and easy people to blame. But, you know, he was signed at league minimum. And because Paul Maurice loves veteran forwards, he plays them all the time. He's getting 13 minutes a night. He's the number one penalty-killing forward on the team. Although I will say that the PK has improved since Stahl came along. So there is that. I can't knock him for that. He has literally improved this team's penalty-killing. But offensively, he's not capable of contributing much anymore. He, did, he got his first goal of the season last night, but 
you know, he's not brought on to be that guy, though, right? We can scream all we want about Eric Stahl and fourth liners and all that, but the whole team is accountable for the performance on the ice. And that guy is easy to blame. He's the new guy. But is it really his fault? You really want to blame Eric Stahl for a 13, 12, and 4 start? Come on. That's asinine. He's been decent enough as a fourth-line guy. I wish he played a little less, but he's not the problem. Speaking of other depth players, Zito did do a good job signing some depth guys in the AHL. Zach Dalpy and Chris Tierney. Um, they were mainly signed as AHL signings, but they've come in and contributed almost immediately with the Cats at the NHL level. Both are veteran guys who have played in the NHL before, so moving them up is not as drastic as of, a, of a change for them as it might be for some of the younger guys like Denisenko and Heponiemi. Nick Cousins has also turned around a bit after a less than quality start to the season. Uh, he's become a solid option in the bottom six over the last 15 games or so. Not contributing much offensively, offensively but again, he's not... He's not here for that, right? He's here for defensive ability and mean mugging on the bottom lines. So he's improved in that front. Sam Reinhart, he's been a total dud this year. After a career year last season, the hopes were high, at least from my perspective. I had high hopes for him. I did. He struggled out of the gate to get goals, and he seems to have regressed after... Getting a little bit of a streak there. You know, he seemed to be turning the corner, but he's only got one goal in his last nine games. So he's regressed back to the start of the season. This is that secondary scoring that the Panthers desperately need, and they have not been getting this season. Colin White, he also, he's disappeared after a good start to the year. He's got one point in his last 10 games, and he's borderline invisible on most nights. I literally have trouble noticing him when I'm watching these games. I genuinely try to watch him and see what he's contributing, and he's just not contributing that much. Now, coaching, one of the big discussions over the offseason and one of the big moves the Panthers made, bringing in Paul Maurice. They brought him in to play playoff hockey, smart defensive system with a cunning offense. I don't think we've seen a ton of that this season. Some glimpses, though, some glimpses, glimpses for sure. When the team is completely on and playing cohesively, they look great. They do. They also seem to play some pretty decent shutdown hockey with a lead. But it's a little too far, too few and far between. It's not consistent enough. Not consistent enough in a multitude of ways. The team is often down early because they don't seem to be ready at the start of puck drop. That's a coaching thing as well. The boys are not ready at the start of the clock at 7 o'clock or 7.07. Like, what's the point, right? What's the point of showing up for the game if you're not ready to start? Not what I like to see. But, you know, they are a different team. They do look different. Whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing, maybe it's still a little early. The record does not indicate that it's a good thing, but sometimes there's growing pains with changes like this, right? His desire, Maurice's desire to constantly play veterans, it does get frustrating at times. I did talk about it with the Eric Stahl thing, but... You know, Ryan Lomberg this season, his ice time has regressed to below 10 minutes a game. And Lombie, he was the heart and soul of this team last year and could sometimes turn the tide of the night with one big hit or one big play or just getting under their other team's skin. It's very hard to stay engaged in the game where you're barely playing. 
And that's something I really dislike about Maurice. He's got that old school mentality about sitting some guys on the bench for six, seven minutes a game. And although Maurice, you know, he, I, I have to give him credit. He has addressed this uh, in the media and he's discussed trying to give Ryan Lomberg more ice time with the media. It again has regressed back to the norm lately where he's getting under 10 minutes a game. And a guy like Lomberg has to stay engaged in the play, in the game. And, you know, last night, last night, a little bit this different situation considering he took the match penalty. But he needs to stay engaged to be a force and to be to have any sort of impact on the game. He needs to play. So I, I kind of wish in that front, on that front, Maurice was giving guys like Lomberg a little more ice time. The power play has gotten a lot worse this season, somehow. You know, we had a top five power play last year, and despite the struggles in the postseason, the regular season numbers were incredible. And this year, they're 26th in the league, and it'll probably float around there for the rest of the season because I don't see it improving in any ways, really. They're not bottom three anymore, but they're still not great. Maurice's teams have never been really good on the power play, and that continues here. It's a shame, too, because this team... They'll need to execute on special teams if they ever make the playoffs. We saw that last year. You need to execute on special teams. The other thing I really have an issue with is the total lack of discipline from them. Maurice has also addressed this in the media, but like they take way too many penalties. They're the second most penalized team in the league. I, I brought up the Gudis, Bennett, and Kachuk stat or from er, earlier in this podcast. They don't have the penalty-killing numbers to back these penalties up. This group has always been undisciplined. If you go back to the penalty numbers over the last few years, they're always in the top five for penalties taken. But I was hoping Maurice would could, would at least put a stop to that or bring it down a bit with his philosophy, but I, I guess not. I literally had our last episode titled as Discipline because it was a point of concern, and it's only gotten worse since then. I do have to say, though, I did love him tearing into the team in the Seattle game. I can't remember the last time I saw a Panthers coach call a timeout in the middle of a game just to chew the team out for an entire 30 seconds. Unfortunately, they didn't really respond to it, but I did like seeing the coach get in their faces and not let this kind of bullshit play fly. Considering he's had a heart, he's had a handful of games to play with less than 20 skaters, I think Maurice has done a decent job overall. Playing with 19, 18 guys a night is not easy. I hate the sitting back on leads thing that the team is doing a lot more this year. But it was it's a necessary evil, I guess, right? The run and gun style was not working either. So that's why Maurice was brought in to 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 you know emulate that style and to bring that style in. So we we have to wait and see how long what what kind of success will yield from this style. Right now it's still a little too early to tell. Plus the roster is an absolute shambles. And speaking of that roster. It's time to go on to management. And honestly, some of the blame for this season has uh, for how this season has turned out has got to fall on the shoulders of Bill Zito. I see a lot of folks online going for Maurice's head, but he can only coach what he has. To pretend that he has the same depth and skill level that Coach Q or Brunette had last year, that's just unfair to Paul Maurice. And yes, I understand that Zito didn't sign Yandel, so I know, I trust me, I know. You can keep telling me on Twitter if you want, but I know that Zito did not sign Yandel and he didn't sign Bobrovsky. I'm aware of those, those two facts. So I know that's a mess that he inherited. 
He chose to buy out Keith Yandel. Probably the right move. Yandel is not even in the league anymore. He's retired. Probably shouldn't have played last year. The Borowski contract, again, that hangs around his neck like an albatross. A contract he didn't sign. But it's now his mess to clean up, right? He knew that when he took the job. Those contracts existed when he was hired. He's tried to clean it up, and some things have blown up in his face. Last year, he decided to go for it all at the deadline. He traded away this year's first-round pick for Ben Sherratt. I have voiced my opinions about this trade many times on this podcast, but I'll say it again easily. Easily the worst trade of his GM career. Montreal completely fleeced the rookie general manager on that one. If Zito knew this was the season was going to be tough due to cap constraints, which again existed already because Bob Bob's contract was there and Yandel's contract was there, and he knew he was buying out Yandel and he bought out Yandel, why would he risk sending a first-round pick to a divisional rival for a rental player? I don't even care that it was a rental player of Ben Sherratt's quality because that's irrelevant. He sucked for the Panthers, but it doesn't really matter in this discussion because he just wasn't going to sign regardless. Even if he traded a first-round pick for, for Giroux, who didn't suck and performed well, he had to have known that there was a risk that this team is not going to be as good this season and might not make the playoffs. He didn't even top 10 protect the pick. If the Panthers win this lottery, if the Panthers miss the playoffs and their pick wins the lottery for Connor Bedard, Bill Zito will go down as one of the stupidest general managers in history. Worse than Toronto trading their first-round pick for Phil Kessel that ended up being Tyler Sagan. I, I can't even fathom the possibility of something like that happening. Like, I got goosebumps just saying it out loud. He deserves some blame for that, for sure. Terrible, terrible asset management. And his miracle diamond in the rough signings have not really worked out this year. He looks a lot more pedestrian, a lot more run-of-the-mill as a result. Mahura has been a nice addition, but that's about it. Colin White, he looks done. Rudolph Balsers is already on another team playing for Tampa after being waived. The Stahl brothers are whatever. Again, he looks like a lot more like a regular old GM this season. I do hope that Duclair coming back gives his team a secondary boost and makes him look a little bit better. But regardless, you need to look at the bigger picture. Zito's hands are definitely tied in some ways. But I think missing the playoffs this year could really, really hurt this group. The Panthers need sustained success as a franchise and as a core to continue to grow both on and off the ice. You need that sustained success in Florida, in South Florida specifically. Another year of missed playoffs just makes last year feel like an apparition. And a lot more like some ghost than, you know, the new norm that we all were expecting, I think. I don't know how this group can turn it around this year. Zito doesn't really have a lot to work with come deadline time. And with Ekblad playing the way he is, I don't know if this group has the actual talent level to get it done. I know the Corsi stats and the Fenwicks and the advanced stats, they're all really nice. The Panthers lead the league and expected goals for it, but what does that even mean if they're not finishing their chances? They won't suddenly start scoring 10 goals a game to make up for it. And even if they do, you only get two points in the standings regardless of how many goals you win by. 
And with each game, the amount of games left in the season and the, the, the schedule goes down. We're 30 games into this one. And most teams are kind of where they're at for the rest of the season. They're, they're already there. And the Panthers, right now, they aren't a playoff team. They sit below 500 when you factor in OT and shootout losses. And things are only going to get tougher for the Panthers as the this, as this season progresses. They're surrounded by a ton of teams vying for very few spots in the postseason. And it's clear that we've what we've seen from them up to this point just won't cut it. That's it. They won't cut it. Are they better than Montreal? I don't know. Are they better than the Rangers? I don't know. Are they better than the Red Wings? Well, they played like they were, but the next two games they laid eggs. So I don't really know. And neither do you. And neither do they, apparently. And that's... <laughs> that's concerning, to say the least. Now, you can keep up with all things Project Panthers by following us on Twitter and all other major social media platforms by searching Project Panthers. Send your questions into projectpantherspod at gmail.com. This week's question comes from Dana in Boca Raton down in South Florida. Dana asks, do you think Brandon Montour should be getting more minutes than Aaron Ekblad? Well, first of all, thanks for the question, Dana. Uh, I, I, I don't know if we can be so quick to place Montour into that number one spot. I know we excelled in the small sample size at the start of the year, but that's not the easiest spot to hold for an entire NHL season. And Montour actually played the most out of any defender this past weekend, and we saw that it did not yield positive results for the Cats, and they got outscored 9-3 to in those two games. I don't think Ekblad's ever going to be Chris Pronger out there, but this is his defensive core. He is the leader, and I don't see him giving it up without a fight. Competition breeds success, though, so I hope hopefully the two of them can push each other to excel to that next level because, boy, does this team need it. Thanks again for the question, Dana. Remember to follow us on all social medias. Keep the interactions coming. I love talking Panthers uh, online. Whether we disagree or not, it's all welcome. Also, remember to take advantage of our special offer code that you heard at the top of the show. It's the holiday season, so make sure to uh, purchase a gift for your loved ones through manscaped.com. Use our offer code Project Panthers. That's all one word, P-R-O-G-J-E-C-T-P-A-N-T-H-E-R-S at manscaped.com. That'll give you 20% off your order and free shipping. Top quality products, friends. I cannot recommend them enough. I'm really hoping a lot more from this team in the coming weeks. We need more if they want to make the playoffs. And it's playoffs or bust, baby, because what else is there to live for right now if they're not, not as a Panthers fan, if they're not getting W's and fighting for a playoff spot, right? Go Cats, go. Have a week. <laughs>